Is your child struggling with a specific subject or need help with homework? Are they asking questions that you're not sure you can fully answer? IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids. It covers math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed. This program will improve your kids' grades. Studies done in almost every state in the country. The kids who had IXL are consistently doing better. Powered by advanced algorithms, IXL gives the right help to each kid no matter the age or personality. And it doesn't have to eat up all your time. One subscription gets you everything for all the kids in your home, pre-K to 12th grade. So don't miss out. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com audio. Visit IXL.com audio to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. At Alma, we know the connection between you and your therapist matters. But if you're already feeling stressed and burnt out, the idea of trying to find a therapist you really connect with can be overwhelming. That's why Alma's focused on helping you find the right therapist for you. When you browse their online directory, you can filter by the qualities that are most important to you. Then book free 15-minute consultations with any therapist you're interested in seeing. And because 95% of therapists at Alma accept insurance, you can find care that's affordable too. You want to talk to someone, but not just anyone. Alma is there to help you find the right fit. Visit helloalma.com slash therapy30 to schedule a free consultation today. That's helloalma.com slash therapy30. What's going on, guys? Welcome to the Upper Hand Fantasy Podcast. This is Faraz Siddiqui. I'm here with Joe, the fantasy football analyst on Instagram. Uh, What's going on, Joe? How's it going? Not bad. Not bad. All these coaches finally getting hired. Uh, Philip Rivers, dang nabbit, um, retiring. <laughs> that's that's uh, something. All it, fussing, do you think he's a Hall of Famer? All fussing, no cussing. Philip Rivers. Uh, do I think he's a Hall of Famer? Yeah, man. I think so. I mean, listen, he didn't win the ring, but he's up there. I think, what is he, top four in touchdowns, top four in passing yards. So, yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's more of a cumulative career. He had a long one, 14 years. You know, I think it's more like, you know, there's my Hall of Fame and then there's the Hall of Fame. And mm-hmm. the Hall of Fame, you know, you know, is a cumulative, you know, stat type of, you know, uh, thing. So um, for him to get in, I think he should because of the other quarterbacks that are in there. Yeah, I don't know. I'm not I, – I'm very stingy when it comes to Hall of Fame quarterbacks. I don't, I don't think Eli belongs in there. I don't think Kurt Warner really – should have been there i don't i don't know I, my standards are um you know like people who had legendary careers i don't think philip rivers is that kind of guy, exactly and that's there is no hall of legendary fame right it's just yeah. like it's just the hall of fame and unfortunately the standards are lower than your standards you yeah. know what i mean so it's like we can have our own you know what i'm saying like and Maybe we can have <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? Oh, yeah, that's true. Uh, our the upper hand fantasy hall of fame. Um, but yeah, no, I, I think it's one of those things where you gotta have you gotta use their standards, which mm-hmm. isn't that high, <laughs> you know what I mean? So, not at all, it, it, like for the hall of fame. I mean, yeah, as far as like when you when you talk about like oh, the best quarterbacks of all time, like Philip Rivers isn't even near that conversation at all. No, you know what I'm saying? Like, is he a top 20 quarterback of all time? No, you know what I mean? Like. But there's a shit ton of quarterbacks in the Hall of Fame. So, 
But yeah, yeah, man, uh, all these coaching changes, you know, is starting to happen. Like we're only talking about four guys today uh, or at least four teams today. Uh, but, you know, it just goes to show how excited we are to see like, you know, these new schemes coming in, how these players are going to be affected um, and, you know, how these offenses can change. You know, we have this per- perception of what an offense looks like, but a lot of that comes from the offensive coaches, the schemes they put in, the tendencies that they have. Um, so for fantasy, it's important to take a look at that so you can potentially identify um, the guys who will benefit from those schemes and the guys who, you know, will not benefit, right? So you kind of want to look at the whole gamut, look at these coaches' past and try to figure out, you know, um, you know, try to figure out like how they're going to operate and who, which positions they're going to utilize in what way. Um, yeah, and that kind of goes hand in hand with, I mean, it's directly related to fantasy value and we've seen over the years, if you're able to predict and notice these coaching changes and how they can affect the game, you might be able to find something like Jameson Crowder uh, two years ago being in Adam Gase's system. He just loves his slot wide receivers. And over the last two years, part of their offense and uh, you know, like Dirk Cutter going back to Atlanta, throwing the ball a ton. Calvin Ridley was a huge value this year. So these are, much more important than it might even seem like who's the offensive coordinator for this team, you know? Exactly. Exactly. And, and let's, let's get started, man. Um, so Arthur Smith hired by the Falcons as the, their head coach. Uh, obviously he had Derrick Henry, right? Uh, that's a big help for any offense coordinator. Now he's got Edo Smith. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, Derrick Henry light, right? Very light. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Um, but, you know, he had Derrick Henry. He was able to revolve his offense around him, right? And, and, and Henry is a very unique player, right? Like, they don't pass him the ball at all, right? He's aver- he averaged, I think, less than, a tar- like, less than a catch a game, right? Defenses knew exactly what the Titans were going to do with him. Uh, I don't necessarily think that means Arthur Smith is going to revolve the Falcons' offense around whoever the running back is. Right. Uh, obviously, if they take one of the top backs in the draft, they also have a clear vacancy there. Right. Mm-hmm. So that running back, whoever they draft, will be valuable regardless. Like, I'm not going to say like, oh, like, look at Derrick Henry. So this running back is going to take off. It's more like they have a vacancy. They have a vacancy for an early down back. They have a vacancy for a pass catching back. And if they draft one of these top guys who is who are capable in both, then, hey, that's already valuable. Um, the good thing about Arthur Smith is that um, he was pretty creative. You know, I think it was a good play caller too. Like the offense seemed basic because they seemed to be like this ground and pound type of team. And they were, but like, it was a combination of that and some creative concepts. Right. So, so what do you think of that hire? Yeah. I, as a head coach, I mean, I don't know enough about the guy. I think, I think there was like other better guys available. And someone on Twitter even said like, I think Eric Bianami has got to be absolutely like, not doing great at all in any of these interviews for him to not have a job yet or him to not be considered over some of these other guys i wouldn't have considered arthur smith as like one of the best like go get him type coaches for 2020 but look i mean he worked with the floor um he wasn't necessarily the offensive coordinator there but um, I'm sure his style of offense is influenced by the shanahan lafleur style um as we've seen at this point, every single team is going to be coached by the LaFleur 
type scheme. So uh, we'll see how that plays into a factor. And we're also, we, we also have to look out for Dirk Cutter. Uh, is he going to remain there as the offensive coordinator? Are they going to move on? Which I, I expect them to move on. I'm expecting Arthur Smith to bring in his own guys. And considering Smith kind of comes from a spot where he was running the ball a lot and Dirk is like literally the opposite of that. <laughs> you know, he might just want to bring in uh, someone else. So we'll have to see how that shapes out as well. Yeah. Um, I, and, you know, one positive to to take out from from Arthur Smith and how he play called was that, you know, he, he adapted to who he had, he yeah. adapted to his personnel, right? Like, I think running the ball 30 times with your running back isn't necessarily like a formula to win, right? Establish, when you say establish the run, you're basically making fun of the team, right? Like, it's not a real thing anymore. Like, that's not what you want to do to win in today's league. But he realized that it worked. And I think uh, running Derrick Henry as much as they would and then creating around him using the weapons that he was given, and A.J. Brown or Corey Davis, um, you know, even, um, you know, even they use their tight ends, not heavily, but creatively. Um, it wasn't amazing for fantasy, but in real life, you know, they, he had some versatile tight ends and they did their thing. Um, so I think the offense overall is going to be good. Um, he had success. Um, I don't know if they're going to be as pass heavy as they were with Dirk Cutter, uh, who is historically pass heavy, like you said. Uh, Atlanta was fourth in pass attempts per game last year. Um, so, you know, look for a more balanced offense, I think. And um, But regardless, you know, w- whatever running back, if they do draft one relatively early, um, or maybe they, they sign one off a of free agency, I, I do think that, that that running back is going to have some inherent value next year. Yeah, unfortunately, their cap situation is not great at all right now. I believe they're in like negative 50 or 23 million. So Goodness. they kind of got a little bit of a hole. to oh, Wait till you hear how much, you know how deep the Saints are? How bad is it? Negative 99 million. How does that even work? I don't know, but they're not going to be buyers in free agency. I can tell you that. All right, well, that's it's good like, why do we even have a cap? Like, I, I don't know <laughs> if we're just going to be allowed to go under it by that much. But um, regardless, I don't, I don't see Atlanta as buyers in free agency by any means. I think if anything, they're going to work to get, um, you know, you got to figure out that quarterback situation. Do you trade away Matt, Matt Ryan? Do you trade away Julio Jones in this new regime? And uh, if he does, I think Calvin really kind of fits um, similar to a role of what the way Arthur Smith used Calvin, uh, Arthur Smith used Corey Davis last year. I think Calvin really kind of fits that type of role to where he can play in the slot. He can play outside if he needs to um, move around big play type guy. So uh, I think Calvin Ridley, regardless of if Julio stays there or not, is going to continue to be value, even if they're not throwing the ball a ton. Okay. And, well, 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 that's good to know. The, the, it's definitely good to know what the cap situation looks like. Um, so if they are going to get a running back, it looks like they're probably going to get one from the draft or pick up some veteran on the cheap. Yeah. Um, another big Gurley, hire. How good would that be? Talk- oh, my goodness. <laughs> I mean, you know what? The contract that they gave him, the one-year five million, like that should have told you everything right there, yeah. right? Um, so another huge hire out of college, Urban Meyer going to Jacksonville. If they didn't have the number one pick, Urban Meyer would not be going to Jacksonville. Um, three-time national champion at the college ranks, two with Florida, one with Ohio State. Uh, he brings the championship pedigree, but can he win in the NFL? Will his offense perform, Right. Um, and he's going to have help, right? He's most likely from Trevor Lawrence, uh, has DJ Shark, has LaVisca Chenault, uh, you know, has 
a couple other guys at wide receiver that could help out. Um, but keep in mind, Chenault is that versatile piece that can do some of what Percy Harvin and Curtis Samuel did for him, uh, you know, back at Miami and at Ohio State. So, uh, and speaking of Curtis Samuel, who was one of the best players ever for, for Urban Meyer in his career, uh, he's a free agent. So there's a very, there's a high possibility that they go after Curtis Samuel in free agency, right? Curtis Samuel is not going to demand a ridiculous contract. I think his contract will be very reasonable, uh, maybe similar to something that Corey Davis might see. Um, you know, there are those like mid-tier wide receivers that you can go after. Um, and I think that's something that Reverend Meyer might consider because uh, he had success in one national championship, uh, you know, with uh, Percy Harvin on that team, with Curtis Samuel on that team. So, um we would literally know what Urban Meyer is signing him for if that happens, right? And that's that versatile running back wide receiver combination. Um, so, yeah, I mean, think about it. Like James Robinson's in that backfield right now. Are they looking to compliment him? And maybe they do compliment him, but with Curtis Samuel, right? Giving him, you know, eight to 10 carries a game in addition to his work in the receiving game. So, you know, we saw Joe Brady, Matt Rule, give Curtis Samuel some carries last year. Uh, but that all started with Urban Meyer at Ohio State. Yeah, and – at the same time, look, if they don't sign Curtis Samuel, then LaVisca Shonat can 100% be that guy. He can exactly. be his new Curtis Samuel. I mean, he's definitely flexible enough to be, uh, you know, work as a running back or whatever they need him to do. Interestingly enough, uh, I guess he'll be the cap space guy in this episode. But <laughs> Jaguars are <laughs> one of the teams with the, the most cap space, which is why it's such a appealing coaching destination i mean the number one two first round picks one being the number one overall pick a ton of cap space uh they could do some damage i mean in year one they're gonna have to focus on defense but overall they they can sign curtis samuel it's not out of the question they could go after a big name wide receiver um yeah i I think there's a lot of options they definitely want don't want trevor to go in to uh 2021 with exactly what gardner Minshew had and uh, Mike Glennon had over the last year or two. So they'll make upgrades somewhere. Curtis Samuel, definitely, definitely, definitely a possibility. Yeah. So check out Curtis Samuel's stats in college in 2016 at Ohio State. 771 rushing yards, 865 receiving yards for 1,636 yards from scrimmage and 15 touchdowns. So that's, I mean, that's versatile right there. Uh, Percy Harvin did something similar uh, two years in a row at Florida with Urban Meyer. So uh, now as far as formation goes, Urban Meyer, he's an 11 personnel guy, three wide receiver, one running back, one tight end on 75% of his offensive plays, almost all shotgun. You mentioned Trevor Lawrence coming in, you know, he's going to fit right in. He also ran almost exclusively shotgun at Clemson and then Clemson also ran a ton of 11 personnel. So I think overall, this is a good match. And, you know, listen, man, you know what this reminds me of? he could have a Joe Burrow type of year type of rookie year, right? Where him and a lot of the skilled players are fantasy relevant or Justin Herbert or Justin Herbert. The defense is going to suck, right? They're not going to turn that around in one year. Uh, So I do think that this could be a a potential uh, offense where you're, you're targeting a couple of the weapons on this team. Absolutely. All right, man, my team, the jets, Listen, I'm happy about this hire. I'm happy that they brought who they brought in offensive coordinator. It's just good vibes right now for the Jets. Uh, and <laughs> and the rare, best type, rare good the, vibe. <laughs> the best type of vibes for the Jets are the off-season vibes because in-season vibes are never great. <laughs> but uh, they brought in Robert Sala um, to 
to, to be the head coach. Obviously, he brings a ton of energy. He's a guy that the players want to play for. Uh, you, you just heard what Robbie Anderson said a couple of days ago about, about how the Jets were like the worst place for him. Like the Jets made him like not even want to play football. Uh, I mean, it was sad stuff, man. Yeah. Goodness. Uh, but I think it's a different place there. Uh, they have a, a great GM who, who's going to hopefully bring some some, some more players in. Uh, hopefully he's working on, on that Deshaun Watson deal right now. And if Deshaun <laughs> Watson comes through. Al Robinson's going to come through. I, I just have it all worked out in my head right now. Yeah, anyway, you got it all played out. <laughs> anyway, I digress. I digress. Um, so uh, Robert Sala brought in Mike LaFleur from San Francisco as their offensive, co- yep. you know, for their offensive coordinator position. Uh, he was Kyle Shanahan's passing game coordinator over the past four seasons. What do you think this Jets offense is going to look like, man? I mean, obviously we, we know a lot about the Shanahan offenses, but what do you see, uh, you know, Kyle Shanahan doing and who do you think the beneficiaries are going to be? So, um, just to address the elephant in the room, I don't know if I already said it, the brother of Matt LaFleur, the Packers head coach. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, he hasn't been an offensive coordinator in the NFL yet, but he's impressed as an offensive uh, assistant with the or pass game coordinator with the 49ers. And you kind of have to imagine he's going to have a similar play style and he, he's going to adapt to that Shanahan LaFleur style offense. What's a Shanahan LaFleur style offense? Well, zone blocking schemes, um, a lot of running early, a lot of play action, a ton of play action. I mean, just watch any Green Bay Packers game and you'll know exactly what we're talking about. But, um, I mean, who's going to benefit from this? So running backs wise, Aaron Jones, right? He's not in New York yet, but going back to the cap space in New York, one of those teams with a ton of cap space. And I, I think, I don't think Aaron Jones is staying in Green Bay. I think he's going to meet with uh, Matt's brother in New York. So that'll be very interesting. But no matter what, whoever the running back ends up being in New York is greatly going to benefit. Um, I, I think they have very hopeful left tackle. Hopefully they address offensive line more in the draft. Uh, funny enough, Matt LaFleur wanted to hire his brother, Mike, as their offensive coordinator in Green Bay. But San Francisco blocked that request. So Mike has had interest in the past and um, he probably still would have been getting, he, he might even be in contention for a head coaching job if that had been the case, if he had gone with his brother to Green Bay. But um, regardless, a position I'm really excited about is the tight end spot because he's the passing game coordinator for the 49ers and who's their focal point of their offense, George Kittle. Look at what Matt LaFleur did in Green Bay this year. Robert Tanyan was a top four tight end. I mean, he had like, what, like 13 touchdowns? And um, yeah, so be excited about Chris Herndon again. I mean, the Chris Herndon hype train, it kind of falls off the track in the beginning of the season, but it gets right back on and we're right back there. I'm excited for Chris Herndon. And And honestly, if he didn't have those couple of big games at the end of the year, then I have no reason to be excited. But the fact that he bounced back, he made some good plays. He made he made some great catches in those final couple games for the Jets in 2020. So uh, definitely excited about Chris Herndon. As far as these wide receivers go, I, I had mentioned before that Jameson Crowder was kind of Adam Gase's guy because Adam Gase loves to target the slot. 
but what we might see here is a little more balance. We might see some big plays. It's not going to be just checking it down to Jameis Crowder every single opportunity you get. So I think this could be big for Denzel Mims. If they add someone like Allen Robinson, I, I think this is a, this is a team where a lot of people are going to be staying away from, but um, a lot of these players might end up being values. So we'll have to see who they add in free agency. Hopefully the signing of Robert Sala brings in some big names and they can get going. Yeah, I agree. And you mentioned that, that, wide receiver and, and and that wide receiver might be more targeted on the outside right we might yeah. see more of that outside wide receiver do their thing um and, and and we saw that Debo Samuel right as the number one wide receiver doing his thing uh Brandon Ayuk you know what we noticed was that whoever the number one wide receiver was he got there he got the, his targets right and that was a staple of Kyle Shanahan over the years right that number wide number one wide receiver was going to get their targets um, shit, even when Richie James was the guy, right, when the other two were out, he had a career game, right? And you know what? That also kind of factors into George Kittle not being there as well because the second George Kittle got back, Brandon Ayuk had a dud week. Right, right, exactly. So th- the good thing about uh, the good thing about these wide receivers is that whenever you have somebody being plugged in, they scheme them to get open, right? Like this isn't a situation where – uh, you know, they're just running these routes and, you know, you're hoping that they get open. There's a lot of motion. There's a lot of uh, scheming involved in getting these guys open, right? Like Richie James, for example, coming in to uh, to be their number one wide receiver. I think it was against the Patriots, right, that week, um, if I'm not mistaken. Might have been. Yeah, it could have been. Um, no. So him, I th- yeah, I think, and also I think, what's his name, was hurt that, that week too. Um, Stephon Gilmore. I think Stephon Gilmore was oh, yeah. that week Stephane too. Gilmore, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but he, him, you know, them going up against the Patriots that week, uh, you know, it's not like Richard James was, you know, running routes against number one corners and separating. No, like it was more like they were running plays to get him open, right? And I think that's what we can expect, uh, you know, moving forward. And I think Denzel Mims, you know, who is likely, like, if I had to guess who the number one wide receiver is going to be for the Jets if they make like no moves. Uh, to, to, you know, move Denzel Mims down the pecking order, I think he'll be the guy. You know, maybe they target someone like Allen Robinson, Kenny Galladay in free agency. But um, the fact that these wide receivers, like you said, are targeted on play action at a relatively high percentage, uh, it, that's even better for them in terms of efficiency. Um, but, yeah. Uh, now, you did mention uh, the running game, right? And obviously – you know, Matt LaFle- Mike LaFleur was their passing game coordinator. And he, I'm sure he knows a lot of the run concepts as well. But they did poach the 49ers even more. And 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 they brought in their offensive line coach to be their offense, the Jets' offensive line coach and their run game coordinator. So they had to give him that slight promotion in order for them to get him from the 49ers. So um, I'm, I'm, I'm really happy about that uh, because the fact that they were able to, like, get a guy who – was their passing game coordinator. They can figure out that passing game, get that going. And then they brought in John Fenton to be their offensive line coach and run game coordinator. Like they had the best, best of both worlds. And we know that Kyle Shanahan, uh, you know, he, he's really good at both of those, you know, the pass game and the run game. So the fact that we were able to get two guys very involved in both onto the jets, that's a big thing. So whoever that Jets start starting running back is going to be next season. Um, you know, we've seen no name after no name be successful behind that four ers scheme and that offensive line. Um, so I think this is someone, so one team to pay attention to 
um, that could, you know, make a huge difference. Uh, this, I think this coaching staff overall makes a huge difference uh, in, you know, for the Jets uh, in fantasy. Yeah. I mean, Salah said, I mean, they had, they had rumored that wherever Salah won, he was going to bring a very talented group of coaches with him. So he, he was not lying about that. And I know Mike doesn't have any experience as an offensive coordinator, but I, I don't, you know, and no matter, we haven't even talked about the quarterback position, but we've seen Jimmy Garoppolo, who's at best an average quarterback. Uh, Nick Mullins do fine. Um, CJ Bethard even coming in and being okay. So I'm not all that worried about who's even playing quarterback for this team. If it's Justin Fields or Zach Wilson, that's just another step up. If it's Deshaun Watson, then, you know, sky's the limit. So uh, definitely. And even if it's Sam Darnold, I'm okay with that. I, I think Sam Darnold is a decent, as a Jets fan, are you okay with holding on to Sam Darnold? Or are you like, no, we have to get rid of him. Obviously if you can get a guy like Deshaun Watson. It's like all bets are off because you're getting that guy. But if that's not the case, would you rather Darnold draft a QB? Uh, I want to draft the QB, but I'm not, I'm not sold on any of these quarterbacks outside of Trevor Lawrence. Um, I'm okay. Honestly, I'm okay trading that pick, you know, and drafting like a Trey Lance a little bit later, you know, in the, um, in the draft, you know, I'm okay with that. Uh, but I'm okay retaining Darnold. He's so young. If we can build this team around him, give him a real like offense to run, give him some real coaches, give him some real personnel. You never know, man. Like I have a feeling that if Sam Donalds leaves, Sam Donald leaves the Jets and he goes to a good organization, he could actually become a good quarterback. You know, so. But that's a whole another conversation right there. Let's move on. Dan Campbell, the new head coach for the Lions. I think that was announced this morning, officially. Yep. Um, not only the tight end coach for the Saints, uh, but he was also the assistant to the head coach. But. The Dwight Schrute in him, assistant but the Dwight, but the Dwight Schrute in him might tell you that he was the assistant head coach. <laughs> but anyway, if anyone is assisting Sean Payton, uh, there's no way that person doesn't try to bring that Sean Payton offense with them to Detroit. So, Absolutely. what is the main thing that pops off to you uh, when it comes when when you talk about Dan Campbell? So, what really sticks out to me um, is this quote Dan Campbell said. It's it is a little puzzling. I don't know. I don't necessarily agree with this quote, but it goes to what he wants to do with his offense. Okay. He says, it's about running the ball. You don't win or lose with the quarterback. Very, very interesting take on how to run an offense, how to run a team. Um, but look, being a tight end coach and being a former tight end in the NFL that's uh, definitely a position where he aligns with, and they got a shiny new tight end there, TJ Hawkinson, who has been, he, he had a great year last year. And I think the sky's the limit for this guy, especially with Kenny Galladay, Marvin Jones, and Danny Amendola all being free agents. I, I don't even know if I'm expecting, I wouldn't even expect Kenny Galladay um, and or Marvin Jones to be back um, in 2021. So yeah, I mean, TJ Hawkinson could be in for a huge role this year. And uh, I, I spoke about running the ball. Adrian Peterson, a free agent, likely not going to stay there. DeAndre Swift. I mean, DeAndre Swift and TJ Hawkinson are looking very, very good um, from the outside perspective. And, um, yeah, we'll have to see who they bring in in terms of wide receivers. But considering the way they use Michael Thomas, maybe a guy like 
I don't know if they're going to be able to get like a Jamar Chase or Devontae Smith, but if they can get their hands on one of those guys. It might be, uh, might be pretty interesting. Yeah. And the main thing that pops off the page to me is the running backs, right? The yep. saints have a long history of getting a ton of production from their running backs. And if you look at their running back finishes as a team, they've been either running back two or running back one over the past. Like, Mark, In- Mark Ingram, Alvin Kamara, Latavius Murray, even at times, like this. Da- Darren Sproles, like yep. it, the, the list is, the list goes on. Right. And you're looking at that combination of that backfield now, and especially in the passing game, right? Like, and again, addition by subtraction, like the jets before they even ro- hired Robert Sala, when they fired Adam Gase, they got better. Right. Same thing with the lions. Like you fired Matt Patricia, they automatically got better. Now that now they're getting even better potentially uh, you know, if this guy brings in a good offense and, and, and a good, you know, overall you know, a team culture, right? But I do think that this benefits DeAndre Swift, right? Um, he was already being used in the past game last year. He had at least five targets in eight of his 13 games. It's not often that a rookie becomes, a, a you know, a third down back or passing yeah. down back. And that's what happened his rookie year. So I, he has a chance of blowing up in year two. And we saw the signs in year one. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm very excited about, you know, that. I didn't know that Dan Campbell said that, that it starts with running the ball. So that makes me very happy. You know, that supports the argument of, of DeAndre Swift doing his thing in year two. Uh, but yeah, like you said, outside of that, it's tough to say who will benefit, but Hawkinson taking a forward, forward, another step forward this year makes so much sense. Right. And we've seen tight ends also be a big part of the saints office in the past when they had a capable tight end as well uh, with Drew B. So uh, I'm, 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 I'm happy, you know, the fact that like, I like when guys from these creative offenses take their talents to another team. So, and like, we don't have to deal with, uh, and, and some of these coaches might not be good, right? Like Dan Campbell can come into, into, into Detroit and not be able to deploy that type of offense. I mean, Sean Payton, you can say what you want about him, but he's a offensive mastermind, right? He, he's an offensive genius when it comes to, you know, scheming up. I mean, that, that play, you know, that, that he brought Jameis Winston in for, you know what I mean? Right. That was a that was a great play. You know, unfortunately, Drew Brees doesn't have an arm, so he they couldn't get anything else going in that game. Um, so they needed that spark, but at the same time, you know, it's nice to see like Michael Flores bringing the Shanahan scheme. You know, Dan Campbell bringing in the uh, Sean Payton scheme. Uh, it's a cool thing to see. So I'm hoping that these guys are successful and that we can dip our toes, uh, you know, into any team. For fantasy, <laughs> that's that's what I'm hoping for. Absolutely, and as a little bonus here, um, Frank Pollock, he was he used to be the run game coordinator for the Cincinnati Bengals, and in uh, 2018, in that year, Joe Mixon. Yeah, I have to mention Joe Mixon at least once each podcast. You know, I, I I'll, I'll physically die if I don't. But <laughs> um, <laughs> in 13 games, Joe Mixon. Ran for 1,168 yards. He averaged 4.9 yards per carry in the year. He was a running back 10 in fantasy. He had a career high in receiving yards, uh, career high in receptions, career high in rushing yards, career high in touchdowns. By far his best year in the NFL with Frank Pollock. And now they have, um, you know, I'm not going to get into the whole spiel, but um, having Frank Pollock back in Cincinnati can be huge, especially uh, a lot of people projecting the Bengals to draft an offensive lineman, their fifth overall pick. So that'll only make it so much better. 
Yeah, and 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 what did Joe Mixon do as soon as Pollock was hired by the Bengals again? He, he went on Twitter yep. and he showed his excitement for that hire because he know what's up. He mm-hmm. he knows that like that guy helped him out. I mean, if you look at his rushing grades for that year, like it was okay. You know what I mean? Um, he only averaged two point seven six yards uh, yards after contact per attempt uh, out of all running backs with two hundred carries he was 10th out of the 14 guys who had 200 carries in yards after contact per attempt, meaning he wasn't amazing, right? He wasn't in his prime. That number has gone up by the way, since 2018, but he just didn't have the help. He averaged 4.9 yards a carry and he wasn't his best self. So that tells you that the scheme went a long way for Joe Mixon that year. So if the talent can meet that scheme in 2021, Joe Mixon is underrated going into next year. He's he's already underrated, but just adds a little <laughs> cherry on top. All right, Joe. We know we know you know your thoughts about Joe Mixon. All right. Listen, if Joe Mixon never has another good year, um, I feel bad, man. I feel bad because that's your guy. I'm hoping that he just like he's like the overall RB one next year, so you can just like ride your coat, ride those coattails. You know, you know what, Corey Davis really made me learn my lesson of just not to give up on these guys because I was a you know I was a huge Corey Davis truther for his first three years, and of course year four. He breaks barriers and has this incredible year. Um, so I, I'm not giving up on Chris Herndon. I'm not giving up on uh, Joe Mixon. And hopefully I don't have to say it, but I'm not giving up on Mike Gazicki. I mean, that's kind of off topic, but um, <laughs> just guys that I'm refusing to give up on. So we'll see. That's your guy right there, man. Um, yeah, there are some rumors that Matt Canada, uh, he's going to be pr- promoted uh, to be the new offensive coordinator in Pittsburgh. Uh, their guy got their offensive coordinator got fired. Longtime offensive coordinator. Uh, that isn't official just yet, by the way. The Matt Canada hire, so we're not going to talk about it just yet. But once it becomes official, we'll talk about that and how it affects Big Ben's offense. Um, spoiler alert: It's not. It probably won't be Big Ben's offense anymore. But we'll 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 see. Well, they did uh, say huh. he is coming back for 2021. Right, and what I what I meant about what I meant by that is more like Big Ben had a lot of control in that offense. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think Matt Canada is going to come in with a, a little bit, a, a different approach um, and maybe not let big Ben run that entire show uh, the way he has been. Um, but yeah, that, that's it. Um, I think next week we're going to have a lot more to talk about. Um, I think over the next week, there's going to be a lot more hires, um, a lot more offensive coordinator changes um, and, and, and we'll get into all that. So that's it. That's it guys. That's it for today. Uh, make sure to follow Joe at fantasy.football.analyst on Instagram. Uh, he has a great account. Go check him out. Uh, he's putting up his early rankings, which has been really cool Cool to see, um, you know, just to get an idea of, you know, where these guys should be looked at, you know, uh, as far as the ranking goes, as far as ADP goes. Does that ADP is ba- basically being developed by people like us who are paying attention right now, right? Uh, it, it, that ADP... Uh, becomes real because people start mock drafting. It doesn't come out of nowhere. Uh, it comes out of out, out of action. So uh, take a look at those rankings. Try some mock drafts. Let's have some fun. Let's start 2021 fantasy season uh, right now. Uh, follow me at Upper Hand Fantasy on Instagram. Um, Joe, this was fun, man. Let's do it next week. Oh, yeah, sure, if you're offering. Mm-hmm. Oh, by the way, three weeks in a row. Holla. Ooh, Holla. We got to celebrate four weeks. <laughs> yes sir hi man <laughs> yo that'd be amazing um all right guys thank, thanks for listening we appreciate you guys uh if you want to hit us up hit us up on on instagram uh but we'll talk to you guys next week
See ya. See you.